Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and thanks for joining us for this episode of The Great America Show. And as the Russians continue to bombard and blast the Ukrainians seemingly through 24 hours of each and every day, the Ukrainians are defending their country with heroic strength and defying the much larger, more powerful Russian invaders. First Lady Jill Biden made a surprise visit to Western Ukraine. There she met with the country's First Lady, Olena Zelensky. Mrs. Biden spent about two hours in Ukraine telling Mrs. Zelensky that she wanted to be there for Mother's Day to show solidarity with the people of Ukraine. And the war goes on, this senseless war that Vladimir Putin obviously thought would never devolve to the quagmire it's become for his military. Putin has no obvious exit from this titanic military debacle, and he will soon be desperate to limit the massive global damage to his standing, his reputation, and his job as leader of Russia itself. And meanwhile, the Biden administration hasn't yet sent the first lady to our southern border with Mexico, where a massive invasion has been underway since President Biden took office almost 16 months ago. The Biden presidency has been a disaster, it seems, from the moment Joe Biden was sworn in, and he's building a strong early case to be considered the worst president in U.S. history. Our guest today has some strong views on this administration and its many failings. Our guest is Chris Farrell. He's Director of Investigations and Research at Judicial Watch. Chris is also a member of the Judicial Watch Board of Directors and a former U.S. Army intelligence officer and a great American. Chris, welcome back to The Great America Show. There is one headline after another, it seems, about what the Democrats are doing, what their big donors are doing, everybody talking big money for the midterm elections. And I hear nothing but crickets coming from the right, the conservatives, the GOP. Uh, your your thoughts on, on the situation here uh, with everything in the light of 2020? Well, the left is... Uh, predictably reliable. And, uh, you know, they always double down, even in the face of imminent failure. And by every prediction is that they're going to suffer great losses in the midterm. Uh, although you can you can never count because, you know, the Republicans love uh, clutching defeat, you know, out of the jaws of victory. But uh, it would appear that, you know, the, the predictable midterm reversal is going to occur. But that never stops the left. They are insistent and, and persistent. And so you see things like George Soros, everyone's favorite uh, philanthropist, that's a good word for him, uh, and Clinton staffers running around trying to threaten uh, Elon Musk and Twitter. They, they think that uh, free speech is very dangerous. You see George Soros throwing, or his, his entities, his operations, uh, throwing upwards of $750,000 into 
the elections in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, that's another stunner how via all these various front groups, including things like, uh, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of the name, the, uh, there's a, an organization called ERIC, and I forget the exact acronym now, but it's a, it's a, a, an election reporting group purportedly. Mm-hmm. Um, money's being thrown at elections. District attorneys are financed. Their campaigns are financed by Open Society Foundation and their various affiliates and subsidiaries. Um, and then on top of all this, you see the introduction of another organization, <clears throat> excuse me, called Governing for Impact. Um, and their title or their their tagline on their website says it all. You know, words matter, Lou. You know that better than nine tenths of the world. Their tagline on their on the website for Governing for Impact says, "Quote: Building progressive power at the state and federal level." I mean, I what what founding document in the United States discusses building power? You don't especially, see that, yeah. Especially a, a nonprofit, correct. And but but I mean, even philosophically, this tells you where they're coming from, right? Building progressive power, that that kind of language cannot be found in in a single founding document, whether it's the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers. No one talks about building power at the state and federal level, but. That is Marxist language. That is, you know, Frankfurt School and Marx and Engels. That is their kind of mentality. And they they brazenly advertise it on the front page of their website, which everyone should go look at. It's called governingforimpact.org. And you can see all of their sort of agenda items and their policy papers they're written. And the reason why people should look at that is because those policy papers are being turned into Biden administration policies and regulations. They are essentially the think tank for the Biden administration. And uh, the first time I've, and I think I've been trying to at least uh, stay a pretty current on the uh, sort of dark groups, uh, the groups high, uh, you know, staying well below the horizon and out of public view. But this one suddenly bursts upon the scene through the reporting of none other than Fox News. That's the first place I saw any reference uh, and the only place I've seen any reference uh, to that group uh, governing sh- for impact. It's shocking. I mean, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised because as you and I both know, there, were, there was a time uh, when uttering the name Soros on air at Fox, uh, you know, was a lightning bolt. It was uh, verboten. You know, you could not possibly say or even hint at that or there was all sorts of editorial pressure brought to bear. It seems like they've done a 180, and if they have, great, because when there's public documents and when there's you know, uh, websites and, and, and publicly filed records and documents that are available online, why can't you talk about it? Why, why is that suddenly, and there was a day, as you well know, where that was you know, forbidden. Uh, forbidden. But now they're talking about it, so hooray. Yeah, as a matter of fact, what Chris is referring to uh, is uh, his exclusion from Fox uh, as a result of mentioning the name George Soros on uh, my show uh, at that time. Uh, and the, the response was, was quick. And I have to say it was, 
uh, unpleasant, not only for Chris and for me, but it was an unpleasant moment, I think, for the network. And I'm glad that they have moved beyond that uh, at this point, if indeed they have. But the yeah, fact and, that. And, 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 and I think sorry, just, just to contextualize that, sure. the question you had asked me was based upon my return from Guatemala, where I had marched along the road with the caravanners heading north out of Honduras through Guatemala. I was fortunate uh, that a colleague and friend of mine was the intelligence chief of Guatemala, and he had invited me down. And uh, I jokingly say that rather than being in a studio in New York or Washington, I went out and committed an act of journalism. I actually went on the ground with the caravanners. Uh, I interviewed the president of Guatemala for three hours. I brought along a former colleague, Sarah Carter, who was obviously a contributor at Fox News. I brought along my own reporter, Irene Garcia. Those two ladies are native Spanish linguists. Uh, I am not. Uh, and we spent five days down there. I came back, went into the studio to talk with you. And you had asked me what the Guatemalan president had said about who he thought was behind the caravans. And I truthfully reported that the president of Guatemala thought that it was Soros. And he went on from there to describe why and how he thought it was Soros. And that, for, for, reporting, <laughs> for reporting on what the president of Guatemala and other senior leaders told me what they thought about the caravans and the connections to Soros, that was a, a, a forbidden thing. That made everybody at uh, Fox Business you know, jump out of windows. Well, it certainly did. And I, and as I've expressed to you every moment since then, you know, my deepest regrets that it occurred and, and what, and the, uh, and the harm it did you, uh, and, uh, actually I think the, the integrity of the network to do something like that, uh, but there it is. And now we have a changed circumstance and clearly they're, they're talking about George Soros now. Yeah, and I have Katie always, Pavlich, a, a contributor from Town Hall to Fox News, talking with John Roberts about it, as they say, in the clear. Yeah, uh, and so I, I these things shift, and uh, it, this is a positive one. Yeah, and I've always sincerely appreciated all of your uh, help and support through all of this. And likewise, I am pleased to see that uh, Katie Pavlich and John Roberts have been able to have a discussion about uh, facts and, and documents and records and things that are publicly available on the internet uh, about, you know, who's doing what to who and where the money's going and all those sorts of things. Well, as you mentioned, George Soros putting $750,000 into the Wisconsin midterms. And as far as I know, there is no Republican equivalent of George Soros, let alone uh, other donors that are putting in uh, Mark Zuckerberg, for example, the, the yeah. money that he is throwing around Silicon Valley, yep. uh, Wall Street. The money that they are pouring into uh, the, the the Republican, the Democrat uh, races, and I don't know of a single dime that's been spent. And I'd love to be corrected on this because I'd love to be wrong, uh, but I don't know of a major effort whatsoever anywhere in the Republican Party or any campaign to reform the mail-in ballots, to reform the absentee ballots. Uh, they changed the election season back from uh, from election season to election day. It's it's preposterous how little we have heard from the Republicans, and they're and they're taking a great deal for granted with all of this talk of a wave election. 
I, I believe there is the impetus for that. But I also know that a lot of things happened in 2020 that there has been no, uh, there's been no reform, meaningful reform of it at all. Correct. At the national level, uh, the so-called leadership, McCarthy and McConnell, have essentially accepted and bought into the lie that this was the most secure election in American history, that there were no irregularities, that there were no uh, attempts at gamesmanship or manipulation, that somehow Zuckerberg pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into Wisconsin, that there was no effect. There was, there was no outcome, no change of anything. Um, I mean, just at face value, you have to say, if anybody poured any amount like that, hundreds of millions of dollars into one state, it would have to have an impact. Or guess what? A very wealthy businessman wouldn't spend that many hundreds of millions of dollars for nothing. I mean, that's the point, right? He wants to get an outcome, and that's his investment. So um, the leadership, McConnell, McCarthy, and others have, have essentially accepted the big lie and everyone is, you know, if you raise questions, I mean, and I'm not talking about use of the F word, right? Fraud. I, I'm always cautious about that because fraud has an actual real hard legal meaning. And so I, I am always, what I want to talk about are election irregularities. I want to talk about weird vote swings. I want to talk about uh, ballots that are counted or not counted, ballots that suddenly show up. Those are all those irregularities all require investigation and documentation in Wisconsin. They've done it. They've had a, a legislature chartered an investigation. They had a former a special counsel investigation. Correct. They had a and, Michael and, Gableman. Uh, exactly. And that, and that he's a former Wisconsin Supreme Court justice. He's not, you know, some moron. This guy has got decades of experience and he's gone. And I know you've reported this on your show. He's gone and documented all the weirdness. Okay, well, then what do we do about it? You don't see any national leadership from the right, whether it's Republican Party guys or, frankly, anybody else, stepping up and demanding that these things get fixed systematically. Uh, and there's certainly no George Soros or Open Society Foundation or, or you know, center-right equivalent with the same kind of machinery and apparatus and money advocating in the opposite direction. There's a void. There's nothing. And, and for there to be nothing uh, is unconscionable. It, it just, I, I wish that we could be talking right now about some of the great successes and we will the great successes of the, of the Trump endorsements to talk about where the Republican party is headed. And I hope the Republican Party is headed in exactly the same direction as uh, Donald J. Trump, because the ignorance of the leaders of the Republican Party is palpable, uh, particularly when you start with Mitch McConnell and you start with Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I, I know the president loves Kevin McCarthy. I don't. I think he is one of the, I, I, I truly believe. Yeah, I, I don't understand and, why he, he does either. I mean, well, I, I respect the president, but I don't get, I mean, there's a lot of evidence pointing in the other direction. Yeah, but I also understand that when you're going into this election, you don't want to do anything if you're President Trump or uh, anyone else, I guess, for that matter. You don't want to get involved in a an, a, an intramural yeah. uh, 
you want to hold them distraction hold them real close and <laughs> and and take it up when you can indeed win what worries me is what you alluded to and that is without money without reform without understanding of what happened in 2020 and there have been a couple of uh uh, very good documentaries uh, created, but I, I really like the rigged documentary uh, that David Bossy did yeah. on uh, on the election of 2020, and he focuses on uh, you know real uh, anomalies that contributed to uh, his defeat. And by the way, there are also no accidents in these campaigns. These are not coincidences. Uh, these are orchestrated uh, events, and we have to understand why and why the Republican Party is invested in not dealing with it. They have bought into the Democratic establishments. Oh, you it's already been uh, the idea of the, the election being rigged. You know, that's already been debunked. That's a falsehood. You can see it in all of the corporatist uh, news outlets. They refer to it not just as a, as a claim, but a debunked claim when it's absolutely not true. They that haven't been debunked. That the FBI true. didn't investigate a single election, not and Homeland Security certainly didn't, despite that being their charge. Uh, they simply referred to it as a just a terrific little election. No problem, no fuss, no muss. It's absurd. Everyone watching television saw inexplicable events if they stayed with the election coverage for uh, any time at all. Correct. So, uh, here, so here we are. Meanwhile, Arabella dark money, uh, funding all sorts of initiatives that will benefit the Democratic candidates at the local, uh, county, and state level, as well as the federal. Uh, and it goes on and on. It is dispiriting. And no matter how much we talk about you know, how the margin of victory, the landslides, the wave elections, you know, we're always coming back to that's the, the Stalin quote. You know, go ahead and vote as long as I get to decide who counts, you know, and that's where we are. That is where this country is such massive political corruption. We can't trust the FBI, the Justice Department. We can't trust Homeland Security. Look what they're doing with the border for crying out loud. Yep. yep. Uh, we have a government that is weaponized politically against the American right, uh, the American middle. Independents and conservatives and Republicans don't stand a chance right now, given the array of uh, donors, organizations, and individuals who've been put into action already to rig that election. And the so-called leadership, uh, McCarthy, McConnell, others, they are so timid. They are so terribly terrified of being identified with any of those people, you know, the great unwashed masses out there, that the, the people that are actually the grassroots activists who are fed up and frustrated and demanding accountability, they wish to distance themselves so far from them, from people that are willing to go and, uh, you know, look, even at the, at the local level, people that are willing to go in and file their own state open records law requests to gain access to ballots or to voter rolls, or to double check re reporting and accounting. Uh, you know, they, they are just terrified of even making statements that would be supportive of people conducting audits and reviews. 
for any kind of reform for, uh, hey, like you said, instead of having election season, why don't we stick to what the Constitution says, which is an election day, period. And the whole world knows when it is. And you got lots of time if you're not available or you're traveling or you're deployed overseas or whatever it is. You have all kinds of opportunities to file your ballot in a timely manner so that it arrives on election day and not turn it into how many votes do we need to win? Okay, give me another day or two and we'll, you know, a couple of vans will back up to the warehouse and we'll get enough votes because that's what we're currently experiencing. Well, I I don't want to draw an equation between political engagement and testosterone levels. But, you know, when you look at the history and the reporting that's being done on the decline in testosterone in the United States, and by the way, much of the world, uh, it's unexplained. Science is not dealing with it. No one is doing research on it. But the effect, the effect here is we have a, uh, we have a Republican Party. Uh, you know, I think they ought to ch- sort of just tech, uh, check the testosterone levels between the Democrats and the Republicans, because there's something going on here that doesn't make sense. Why the Republicans are so quiescent? Why are the Republicans so passive? When they're being slapped in the teeth, they've just watched a, an election uh, tear down their candidate, Donald Trump, uh, in full view of television cameras, attorneys, and everything else, and they just suck air through their teeth. There's something wrong. I'm kidding, of course, about the testosterone stuff, but I mean, it really does make you think, what, why don't the Republicans even want to understand what happened? You know, in the 2012, Chris, the Republicans famously did that uh, post-action report, uh, the post-mortem called autopsy, appropriately enough, for why they they were defeated. We haven't had a similar thing happen after the most uh, historic defeat for the Republican Party, I believe, in history. Yeah, and here's the here's the real. This is will inflame and infuriate you more. We're not actually asking anybody to do anything, right? All we're saying is, will you ask questions? Will you conduct an inquiry? Will you document, you know, after the fact, historically, go and arrive at uh, conclusions and facts as to what happened? Step two is to figure out how to fix it. But they're afraid to even ask the question to find out what the hell's going on in order to do a, an assessment of, okay, now that we know how screwed up it is, how do we actually go forward now and, and put into place measures to correct it? The, the Republican leadership, and in fact, not even just the, the, the party operatives I'm talking about, I'm talking about vast numbers of people on the generic center right, they are terrified of even being seen to be in the same room as people who wish to ask questions about the election, mm-hmm. because that means you don't believe. That means you question and doubt. How could you possibly? What's you mean? You don't think that we have the greatest thing since sliced bread? How could you even begin to question this? We've been assured that all is well. Well, you know, and that's they're afraid of that. Think back to 1960 and that election. John F. Kennedy and Richard M. Nixon. Nixon lost uh, the race by a very narrow margin. I think it was around 100,000 votes and, and, and looked to Cook County for that margin, uh, and also West Virginia. 
And he chose not to pursue a recount, even though it would have been perfectly rational and within his his prerogatives, because, quote unquote, he did not want to cast doubts on the legitimacy of the election. Now, think about the, the that and that view, by the way, became the basis for every politician who wanted to virtue signal after that. I think that there was a. I, I think there was a, a little irregularity here uh, between the unions and the votes that were turned out and bought in 1960. But Richard Nixon says, even though it's crooked, rigged, uh, I'm not going to do anything because that'll cast illegitimacy on an election that he said and believed to be illegitimate, illegal, and, uh, and rigged. Uh, so that became the mindset for the establishment yep. Yep. for decades to follow right up to 2020. Yeah, and there's no reason for it. I mean, uh, our democracy is at its best when there is a healthy and vigorous exchange of opposing points of view, uh, not uh, sort of whimpering compliance. And, uh, you know, the, the problem that we face is that uh, that requires, uh, I'll go back to your, your testosterone level, Jack, uh, reference. That's a good, good way to describe it. But there's got to be, I mean, you have to actually believe in something. Can you imagine that? You have to actually believe in the American ideal and in what you stand for and in what you're willing to advocate. And you have to have courage of your convictions. And uh, th those are rare things. Very, very rare to actually stand up and say, you know what? No, I'm calling, uh, I'm, I'm calling this what it is. You may not like it. We may get very upset for the next 20 minutes as we go back and forth arguing. But I'm not just going to roll over and play dead. And you have to prove something to me. The American uh, people are not yeah. mushrooms where you throw, you know, throw crap over them and uh, keep them in the dark. Correct. Uh, it, it, this is ridiculous. This, and I, I, I hate this expression that is taken on currency now, uh, in the, at least the, the chattering class. Suddenly we're talking, I'm hearing people talk about, well, you know, only 10% of Americans want to be free. The rest want to be taken care of. And I'm, I'm thinking what elitist son of a gun, you know, and I'm talking about Republicans saying that. How can well, they you get to the point where the GOP, the party of Trump, a populist nationalist figure of historic and historical importance has this as uh, in his wake uh, elitism that's that granular and that cynical? Well, I, the, I think it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, the, the best president since Washington. Um, and no, the, I agree. And, and the, the reason why you see this, this is all kind of like snap back, uh, you know, uh, counter-revolutionary uh, uh, activity that you see. And, and again, it lines up beautifully with all the, the worst tenets of sort of the Bolshevik left we have in, in, uh, in America, the people that run the Dem Democratic Party. Uh, you What you see is, you know, count they're uh, they're reactionary okay so you're seeing a reactionary response to somebody who actually kicked the door down and turned on the lights and raised the shades and said hey this is america this is where we're living we need sunlight and fresh air we need a, a you know we need to return to our founding principles oh, 
and, and, and people are just flipping out and going in the opposite direction as hard and fast as they can. I want to give credit to two people, if I can, because uh, uh, in, in the case of J.D. Vance, who just won the Republican primary in Ohio, I was yep. neutral on him, uh, neutral to Leary, I would say. And uh, he went on Tucker Carlson's show right after he had won. Uh, and I mean, he went after the Republican establishment and called them out for their corruption, uh, their, uh, their absolute perfidy. Uh, and and I'm, I haven't heard that from a single other candidate running, but it was his acknowledgement truthfully and vigorously that he has to beat all the, the Democrats in the general election, but he also has to be very careful watching and, and uh, forestalling the Republican establishment, because it is, it is a corrupt leadership. And we have to understand that all of us who consider ourselves Republicans uh, and who support Donald Trump, it, it, there's no sense to, and by the way, I'm not going to take anybody's word for anything. Uh, somebody can tell me they really like Mitch McConnell and they really like Kevin McCarthy. That's great. It's America. But I can tell you, neither one of them has ever done a thing that convinces me that they're prepared to, to be America first uh, leaders and to be committed to this country and its greatness and its people. I agree with you. And uh, the uh, I'm curious to to give the, to learn your second shout out. The first one's J.D. Vance for for kind of uh, and, and, I, and I didn't know, Frank, other than the book he wrote, Hillbilly Elegy, I didn't mm-hmm. I was not uh not uh, deeply immersed in the uh, the mechanics of Ohio Republican politics as far as who's who and what's what. I knew that President Trump had endorsed him. I knew that some people were pulling their hair out of their heads over that. Others were sort of indifferent. But uh, I, I'm reassured by what you said that, you know, uh, with regard to him explaining the, uh, the struggle with the sort of uh, the entrenched Republican establishment, that's actually a good sign. He was an anti-Trumper and that was the, and I, I was very dismissive of it because he was a vigorous anti-Trumper to right. say the least, uh, but he, everyone adapts, everyone changes. Uh, sometimes it's sincere and sometimes it isn't, it appears to be sincere yeah. and intellectually, uh, you know, uh, he, he's saying the right things. Uh, he is reacting uh, as I would want. And maybe that's what a good politician does. I'm not going to credit him yet with sincerity, yeah. uh, but I do credit him uh, with the the right statement in the right direction as a public leader. And I think I've got suddenly I've got very high hopes for him. Now, the other person I want to credit is Elon Musk, who is, you know, as soon as we saw these six uh, nonprofits, uh, yep. NGOs and, uh, you know, these the scurrilous advocacy groups, Signing a letter to attack, to attack the world's richest man. Now think about that. And, and what did they want to complain about? The fact of the matter is they don't want anyone advertising on Twitter and they identify the weakness of Twitter immediately and the dependency that could grow up there. And, and Elon Musk point blank said, sunshine is a great disinfectant. Let's get some transparency about who these groups are, what they're yep. doing, and, and 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 he again committed to unfettered free speech, uh, and, and he's right, and he's the only businessman I know 
who's standing up and saying, we must stop this. We must end it now. And he's, and he put $44 billion, not all of his money, but a lot of it. Yep. And immediately he has some to spare. But the point is he's investing and putting himself at risk for the right reasons and for the right people. That is the American middle class, the American working men and women and their families, the Americans who make this country work because that's where the American dream resides. I'm just so proud of him uh, because he could be doing lots of things, but taking on the establishments of both parties and demanding free speech uh, for all is uh, my, uh, that's the way to my heart. I'll tell you. Well, all you got to do is look at anyone that advocates against free speech. And then you see their really pained, excruciating explanations of how they want to cultivate an ecosystem of, you know, awareness. And uh, it's all this mush mouth, double talk, phony compassion for the, uh, you know, disenfranchised, uh, underserved internet community people. I don't even know what the heck they're talking about. I mean, anybody with a cell phone can post or, or say anything they they please. So the notion that somehow there's this elitist access to the internet is just preposterous. And the idea that the American public is so stupid, is so uncultured, so idiotic, that they're not able to read something and discern for themselves whether it's real or fake, or whether they like it or they don't, or they support it, or they believe in it, or they buy it, or they don't. I mean, this is the elite of the elite of the elite warning us that, again, once again, the great unwashed masses, all of those. Are you talking about Barack Obama? Yeah, exactly. Are you talking? (laughs) I mean, well, let's let's say, you know, let's be let's use this free speech. The man was scurrilous. His statements about freedom of speech and the necessity to control thought and words are absolutely disgusting. And anyone who believes in this country should be absolutely sickened uh, at what he said and the way in which he said it. And within a week, the next thing, Joe Biden, representing the third term of Barack Obama, comes out to create the Ministry of Truth, yeah. uh, the, uh, the Disinformation Governance Board. You couldn't, how, how Orwellian do you want to be? Because that's just about at least the penultimate, if not the ultimate. Uh, in that language, the opposite and, of what it is. And I, I, and I love this too, Chris. Yeah. They said it was disinformation governance board purpose to stop misinformation. So why didn't they call it the misinformation? You know, and it's just, <laughs> it, these are geniuses. They are abject geniuses. And I, I encourage every listener to go look up uh, Nina Jankowitz's uh, Twitter feed and all the various postings of her her public behavior and conduct and her statements and educate yourself on what this woman stands for and what she has posted and things she's said and done. And, uh, you know, inform your intellect about who this person is, who's been put in charge. And then once you've done that, contemplate what sort of people would select her to be in charge of this governance board. Marxist leftists, the leftists of the uh, of the Biden administration and the cabal that uh, pulls the strings of this puppet president. But uh, <laughs> Jake, which she is, first of all, she's a she's quite a deal. Uh, <laughs> You're being very generous. She peddled. <laughs> she, I'm sorry. 
I said, you're being very generous. I am. I really am. <laughs> but she peddled the laptop, the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation. All right. I mean, that's sort of for openers. She peddled the steel dossier as real and not, you know, <laughs> not a, a, a caricature emanating and originating in the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee. She is, uh, she's a, uh, she's a Mary Poppins of the Marxist left. Uh, exactly. It's, it's sad. It's pathetic. And by the way, she's on record as having saying there should never be such a board as the one that uh, uh, apparently has been created by a president with what authority I can't imagine. I've asked you a number of people. No one knows what authority, and I'm talking about lawyers. Yeah. No one knows what authority he's uh, using uh, to base the creation of this absurdity and this obscenity called the disinformation governance board. Well, you can rest assured that we have uh, sent a barrage of uh, open records requests to our illustrious Department of Homeland Security, seeking all the records and documents that form the foundation for the decision to create that thing. And uh, we will have a, a trove of emails and policy papers and all sorts of interesting and amusing things to read about her, about Mayorkas, about who was pushing this. Because evidently, uh, uh, I think it was Daily Mail, uh, you have to go to a foreign paper to learn anything about the United States. By the way, I want to say this about the Daily Mail. It's my yeah. day for shout outs. That news organization is embarrassing the American news media. Amen. American corporate media. They are running laps around uh, these uh, <laughs> these corporatists. Uh, they need to get a little change in focus and and perhaps follow the energy and the uh, integrity of the of, of the Daily Mail. They're, the Daily Mail reporters actually uh, answer all the basic interrogatives in every story. If you can imagine that, who, what, run, where, how, and why, and they often have photos and and. Uh, PDFs of records and documents in their stories. Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, I agree with you. You have to read a foreign paper to find out what's going on in the United States. But, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of documentation behind what was done to create this thing and the incentives and the suggestions and who was kind of pushing from the outside, we will get uh, all the records and documents about that. And if they don't give them to us, we'll sue them and we'll compel them by court order to produce them. So yeah. the, the gruesome little details will come out. Yeah. And, and Judicial Watch does an amazing job. And, and we, we both compliment you and thank you. But let's be straightforward about this. It won't be soon and it won't be in time uh, for the midterms. And hopefully it will be in time uh, for 2024. You are correct. Uh, it, it, it's, the the wheels grind slowly. Well, we shouldn't tolerate a judiciary uh, or a government that operates like it's 1830 instead of uh, 2022. It's ignorance. I mean, to think about what the Supreme Court is doing. They take 100 cases, uh, chew on it for a while, go out and have a Chardonnay, come back. Uh, I, I mean, really, this is the way in which the Supreme Court is supposed to work. This is justice streaking through the great the great american republic i don't think so yeah well, speaking think, of the supreme i'm sorry go ahead yeah no i was gonna say a lot of people don't realize that you know there's probably ten thousand uh, appeals the writs of certiorari uh sent to the supreme court every year and they cherry pick 
the anywhere between 60 and 80 normally cases that they decide that they're going to review. Most Americans don't realize that. They think that it's some process where, hey, you'll hear people say ignorantly, I'm taking this to the Supreme Court. Okay, great. That's not how it works. They get about 10,000 applications every year, and the justices themselves decide which cases they're going to hear or not. And the overwhelming majority, you know, go right in the garbage pail. They're never even reviewed. Yeah. And, and I'm still so disgusted by Chief Justice John Roberts. It's hard for me to contain myself because he's the one who said there are no Obama judges. There are no Bush judges. What a lie. You know, it, it was a lie on its face and a, a lie that just reduced him uh, to a caricature. Uh, a, and, and by the way, a partisan caricature uh, in what he was saying. The Supreme Court leak, Chris, uh, I think it's a work of the left. I don't know which, uh, I, I don't know which justice, but Adam Schiff saying that finding the leaker isn't important gives me a clue. How about you? <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is, my, my guess is we're going to find out that it's a clerk from, I don't know, Sotomayor's or Breyer's or it's going to be so the circle of knowledgeability, the circle of access of people who would have had the ability to get their hands on that draft is very, very small. So my guess is uh, the marshal of the Supreme Court, who I think is a retired army colonel. I mean, they should have been able to knock this out in about 20 minutes, frankly, but mm -hmm. nonetheless, they'll go and do their their interviews. I also would imagine that there's a bunch of other Supreme Court clerks, and they're all attorneys, right, working for the justices. A lot of them, they don't think it's very funny, and they want to see this person, you know, get nailed for it. So I expect that we're going to find out in pretty quick order who did it. I, well, I, I would just suggest a couple of things about that, Chris. One is I don't think it would be a right-wing clerk because no. the right-wing clerk would know that he or she was done if yep. they were found out. Yep. Uh, whereas if you're a liberal clerk, uh, you will be covered by the party. Perhaps, uh, you know, you spend two years on all expenses, paid vacations by, by leaking this and ginning up the base uh, for the, the, the Marxist left party. Uh, it's, uh, I, I think, frankly, Roberts is not out of contention either here because you're, you recall back when in Obamacare, yep. there was a leak there was a leak that he was going to vote conservative and there was such public outrage. And we were seeing, by the way, I think just a, an echo of that pre precise moment. And it's apparently convinced him to change his vote. And that's why he, that backlash, public backlash. Yep. And that's the reason he went with the liberals. Yeah. And, yeah. and by the way, there's another part of that, that people miss sometimes they never found the leaker of that story. Never. Wait, if you, if you don't look for them, you, you can't find them. That's part of the <laughs> trick, right? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm assured that they were looking hard. <laughs> yeah. Right. So well, I, whoever, whoever did this one, as you, as you pointed out, they, uh, you know, from the left, they will be awarded their, you know, order of Lenin, and then they will go on and, uh, and head up some uh, NGO for a few years and then circle back in and, you know, two, three, four administrations down the road, they'll be the attorney general. Or running for president. Uh, right. Sometimes right. that works out that way. Offenses are being put up all around the Supreme Court. Uh, Left-wing groups are calling not, you know, not for calm and reason. 
They're calling for protests and demonstrations. We see Antifa already in two cities, Portland and Los Angeles, reacting violently. And by the way, of course, no arrests or prosecutions. We, that, don't, sounds like don't. an insurrection to me. I don't know. It, it is an insurrection. Uh, <laughs> I called it that on Twitter uh, because I just think that left, that's the language they understand. So insurrection it is. But this is a full-blown effort now to intimidate five justices and to change their vote. And there's no response. I haven't heard a single response from the leadership of the Republican Party. I haven't heard a single business leader in this country. You remember when business leaders, CEOs, chairman of the board actually stood up and said something about the national interest and begged for morality in the public square and conducted their businesses in that fashion. We don't have leaders in business. We don't have leaders in business. We have accomplices to the Marxist left, and they fund them. They incorporate them into their HR departments, or otherwise known as their political organizations within the corporation, uh, and do everything they can uh, to roll forward with an agenda that is, that is alien to America and anti-American as it can be. Yeah, well, there was a time when economic nationalism expressed itself, you know, as America first also when it came to our industry manufacturing base. But, you know, all, all those sort of strengths of, of days gone by and uh, American CEOs and business owners were unapologetically pro-American. Now, you know, they're all worried about uh, the, the, the next protest or the next group of 26 phony leftist groups that are going to you know, attack them uh, via Twitter or some other social media platform and, you know, call for boycotts and all the rest of it. Yeah. And we, and we had Billy Graham, we've got Franklin Graham, who's, who is uh, offering his voice up at important moments. But we have the Pope who I thought did the right thing. He was going to go talk to Moscow, uh, to Vladimir Putin in Moscow, about about Ukraine, but then just yesterday, he decided to announce that perhaps the reason Putin had invaded Ukraine, and I'm I'm you know, I'm uh, reducing this to its essence. Uh, maybe was uh, he used the expression "barking at the border of Russia," and, and so the Pope is probably out as a uh, honest broker and uh, a leader for peace. Uh, it, it was a stunning moment, assuming he was uh, translated correctly. <laughs> That's a that's a big assumption. We should somebody should go find Benedict and see what he has to say. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's something for everybody, as they say. <laughs> I appreciate it, Chris. Uh, as always, we give our guests the last word. And Chris, thank you for being here. And take it away. Thank you so much, Lou. Um, I just want to reassure all of your listeners that Judicial Watch will continue to do what it's been doing for the last uh, 27 years. I've been there for 23 of the last uh, 27. And uh, we don't forget, we don't quit, we don't go away, uh, we plug away. We're still getting answers to FOIA open records requests that are 16 and 17 years old. So uh, we will continue to fight to bring the truth, documentary evidence to the American public. And we always appreciate the opportunity, whether it's myself or my colleague, Tom Fitton, to come on your show and talk about our work and talk about the the state of affairs in America 2022. And uh, my hat's off to you, Lou, and uh, my, my great personal thanks and respect to you always. And same back at you. I appreciate it, Chris. Chris Farrell, 
He's the director of research and investigations for Judicial Watch. Uh, and uh, God bless you for all you and Judicial Watch are doing, Chris. Uh, look forward to our next conversation. Chris Farrell. Thanks very much, Lou. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. I hope you'll join us tomorrow when our guest will be one of the January 6th defendants who had to stand alone against the power of the authoritarian left against a politically corrupt D.C. establishment and the federal government. Brendan Strzok has spent the past year trying to rebuild his life, a life upended by the Capitol and D.C. police and federal prosecutors who tried to make an example of him because he was a Trump supporter. And that was his only crime. No American should miss his story. Please be with us tomorrow right here on The Great America Show. Till then, God bless you and God bless America. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.